0: Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective.
1: Hey, folks, Brennan here. Thanks for tuning in to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you want to reach out or follow us, we're on Facebook and YouTube as 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as 25 Years of VTM, and on our website at 25yearsofvtm.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. Hey folks, before we begin we want to tell you about Werewolf the Apocalypse Retaliation by Flyos. It's on Kickstarter right now and it's running through the end of November. The game supports one to four players playing as a werewolf pack rebuilding your cairn in Yosemite Valley. Head on over to Kickstarter while you can to back it. Now, on with our show.
2: Happy November, everybody, as we start our official podcast here for Werewolf, of course. Uh, going over, f- not to, not Frontier Secrets, we went through that, but this is Ghost Town. This is like a continuation based off the Wild West, one of their supplements for the game. But before we uh, jump into that, Mike is accompanying us today. And Mike, how you doing? Doing good. Doing great. It's been a good day so far. All right. Uh, arguably contentious day. Because <laughs> inevitably there are some people who do not have a good day. And to those people, we wish you good day. A very good day. So let's um, yes, yes. us just getting into it. Let's just cover all good bases here. So and I say that because we're going to wash this out, because you had said something about ghost Hounds. Now, to preface this, Ghost Hounds, folks, is a book for Were of the Apocalypse or Wraith the Oblivion. And that might throw you for a loop because you really haven't heard anything about Wraith the Oblivion till now. Like, werewolf kind of mentions ghosts, and you can run into them, and that's sort of a thing, but there's nothing you've dealt with that's like, now you deal with ghosts. And what we're saying is the focus was always werewolf. And this book says it's a melding of the two. It could be either or. And that's that's an interesting take. But uh, relevancy, Mike, I want to kind of get into what you were at. You had told me, like, you know, I got this book, and went with this book, but you felt some type of way. What, what was that?
0: Um, I just... I hope it's not like the jadedness, right? From just absorbing a lot of books. And I want to preface by saying I like what's in this book, not the least of which, because I like Westerns. Reminds me of all types of different stories, old movies, new movies, lots of good entertainment, right? Yeah. I don't don't know what I'm supposed to do with it, that I wouldn't have done for myself if I was going
2: to storytell a werewolf story anyway, in, like in the, in the wild West. So I think that's a good preface, right. To kind of bring up it's, it's number one, can somebody that wanted to want a werewolf game in the wild West, who's never played a werewolf game, but likes the wild West. Could they do it from this book alone? It's just grab it, understand it and go. I I gotta say no. No, you're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. Because this this it's got all the setting stuff, right? But it's, go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, you're fine. It's to point out that this book is not intended for anyone but an experienced player or storyteller for Werewolf the Apocalypse to go further in their Wild West experience. You have Werewolf the Wild West book. That's the main book you should have. <clears throat> we talked about that book, but over that book, that's the one that sets the scene scenario and everything that goes with the werewolf setting for that. This book is how to make specifically ghost towns. You may not have a clue how to do that. Now, that is because, be honest, Mike, would you know how to make ghost towns like they're talking about? No. No. Okay. I wouldn't. So we're going to have to say mission accomplished. Right. That's why that warrants the need for this book, because they're not referring to a town that tried to get settled. That was almost done, but it didn't work out or tragedy hit and everyone had to leave the town. And so no one's populated it. And it's just a ghost town sitting in the middle of nowhere. Anybody should be able to make that town. Right. That's that's not what this is. This means ghost town as in baby ghosts in your town. (laughs) There are definite ghosts in your town is, is what this is referring to but to the wild west setting for werewolf. Now, with that being said, is that the only stickler that you had for you? Cause you mentioned a lot of positive here for, for someone who's like, I don't necessarily know what to do with this considering. um, Please go. Yeah, ahead.
0: Th- that's, that's kind of, my, that's kind of my only sticking point because the positives, right? You got your, your characters you always want. You got your role playing hands with their motivations, right? For those of us who are like super number crunchy, You got stat sheets for the, for the big, important people. You got your history, you got descriptions of the settings, like for people who might be unfamiliar with the terrain in the Western part of the United States, you got a toolbox, all kind of narrative and character stuff. So I would, this is the kind of book that I would read purely for my own entertainment, even if I weren't going to run a game out of it.
2: It's well said, because from its opening story, it sets the pace of what a ghost town is, right? You have a stranger that comes from the dust into the town that everyone swore the Red Rock was going to yield up gold, nuggets and dust. They'd be able to settle up, up around here and they were going to just get in the crick. And they were going (laughs) to rattle some rocks right out the water and those rocks would produce the gold they needed to be rich and they were just going to be a bunch of rich settlers in a rich town being rich off the rich land. That (laughs) was the goal. But like so many towns, they had suffered dearly. And what had happened is they had invested too much and had gone too far. No one had the means or the ability to leave this town to even so much as do anything more than ask for help. And this story is not an unusual story in the West. The frontier half of America is ripe with secrets about towns that intended to be well and just ended poorly. Mostly people just abandoned the effort. But for those who really stuck it out or couldn't leave, they they died. You were there trying to work the land till you died out. And I don't mean like there was a mystic one night everyone just ritual suicided, though I promise you there's a story or two of that in history. But this is more talking about me and Mike in this podcast decide we're going to go and invest in an island. You know, uncharted in America was this island that was always over here. But we never stopped to look at look beyond the price. Right. Mm-hmm. The price was if you guys got fifteen dollars a piece, this island's yours. Now, Bob would. And it is the ethnic <laughs> half of me. I give I credit to being black. I absolutely would go. Hang on a second. What the hell you mean It's fifteen bucks? That's the first thought in my head. You get your goddamn minus fifteen bucks, but this is horror movie victim Bob, right? So my white half goes, "All right, guys, opportunity and awesome. It's all <laughs> over here." And I do a podcast. Hey, everybody, why don't you sign up? It was it's like forty five dollars for the whole island. It's so great. We got like short of shorts, like ten miles. It's great. We have all this land, but we need help clearing it. We need help digging wells. We need help putting up a house and the internet. They threw that in for free hunky dory i wonder why they could have done that (laughs) then we get out to this island and this island's like there's sharks every every inch of it this is like shark choke bay or some weird thing like that or anytime you go fishing it it sinks a boat or something like there's some weird occurrence that makes it to where nobody could settle here because people with loot tend to invest scouts to go out and check that out for you to come back and let you know the land's no good and here's why but we didn't do that because it was like 15 bucks. Right. That's a that's a terrible analogy. I'm the king of the worst analogies ever. But that's basically what didn't happen in frontier America, because in frontier America, which this book is huge in pointing out, um, you had people who rolled the dice. It's simply you, you heard of the land of opportunity. Everyone's heard of this apple pie, freedom, the whole nine come to America and you and your family can can do amazing things. Dynasties are built and end here. It's precisely what they did. We can't protect everyone. There was not soldiers that guarded towns until they were established. It quite literally was uh, probably the most wealthy guy in the area willing to hire on hands to help dig and clear land. They're, they're all going to go out here and they hear that there's a railroad that might be built and it may come their direction. And so they're, they take a risk and they buy a plot of land and they go out there. They got to clear it, build it, and work it themselves. And they do that. But do you have the mentality? as a player who doesn't have this book to figure out what that all might entail. And that is why they created this book ghost towns, because yes, there is supernatural to it, but the most important half of it that they established, they hit you right in the nose with it. They tell you, you can't build a damn thing until you build the town. Hmm. You can't do anything until you figure out why the town was there. And so that means you, the ST have to do some homework. And decide, well, why was a town bit, built here? Who were the people who originally came out and established it? Are they still here? How young is this town? What stage of development is this town in? And what does that mean? And and where is the town? Et cetera, et cetera. And they do classically what any book does that we've gone over that that do, does these things. Typically, we skip these books because they're, they're builders and quick. It warrants note because it does a unique thing, though. It blends Wraith with Werewolf. And that's why we're like, you know what? Let's see how they do. Let's, let's hear the use from it. And what I could tell you is, if you're a player in Werewolf or a fan of Werewolf is the best term, you're looking to somehow spice up your game where you have more freedom to bring in the horror elements of the Wild West, this is your book. If you're somebody looking to add a little mystery and a little opportunity for your players to develop their own place in the world as Werewolf, this is your book. If you're looking for someone to dive into a terrain that isn't covered by canon characters left and right and, you know, there's no room for it, but you want to be able to develop your own thing, this is your book. This is not a book for you. If you're someone expecting to grab it, look at every settlement that was ever done in the West, <laughs> every historical link that ever was, and to open up and find every factoid and tidbit to be exactly true as you look up on your www dot. That's, that's not what this is for, right? Imagination is required and a suspension of disbelief. And that is how this was designed. Fun points in this book though, that opening story, Mike, how did that leave you feeling your take on that story? Oh, it was perfect. It was perfect. I wanted to watch the movie. Um,
0: I could kind of, it was descriptive, right? You could see the scene playing out between the the gunman and the old fella. Um, and they did the uh, what? what is that word? There's a word for it when they do it in a movie, but they. You mean show mean the foreshadowing? Don't, yeah, the foreshadowing. Right, exactly. Yeah, They do the show but don't tell thing for the stuff you need to know about what's going on without wasting their time giving me the gunman's history and telling me what tribe he is. And we no extra sauce, no fat on it. Right. Gunman shows up to town. He's heard bad things. He talks to the old man. Old man knows about bad things. Oh, no, I don't carry any silver. Must be because he's a werewolf. Crosses into the gauntlet. Boom, boom, boom. Here you race. And we're off. We're off to the races. Just like that. It was shorter, but that was a feature,
2: not a book. This example of the uh, the intro story lines up how storytelling could be very lucrative. Uh, For this type of setting, like I said, I I started saying in the beginning, but you said it right there, one hundred percent, without the fat. I'm going to add the fat though. (laughs) Yeah, the fact the fact that it's a dusty old town that doesn't seem like it's well inhabited, and it's hardly a town as it's said by description, but they don't give you detail; they just say it hardly is one. And it waits till this gunslinger is in front of an old man. You don't even know he's a gunslinger, really, just a person from out of town, and is kind enough to give this old man a drink because you know, old man tells him, "Hey, there hasn't been." A merchant this way in in months. We don't expect it, so we ain't got, I got nothing to offer you, but appreciate it if you're here. And he says, don't worry, old man. We're going to be sharing drink together. Pours him a drink. Old man drinks to the half. It's very important to note that, right? This is somebody who is desperate, so he's like, gulp, but doesn't drink at all in case there's not more coming. And a guy goes, take it easy with that. You don't know when more's coming. He goes, you need to tell me everything <laughs> in this town works in, that, works in that principle, but what brings you here? And then the story develops. It shows you that in two characters, one interaction, you can begin to have a reason as to why this player character, because that's what they leave you to believe, would be here. But the old man doesn't quite know why he's here and he needs to feel this out a bit. And then he begins to tell them of, of this town. And part of the story of this town is to describe its history, how it was formed, where it came from, and to explain its woes. And they have something I like to I like to always look forward to film. Like you said, I wanted to see this horror film. There was yeah. something you would never imagine. They threw out a call because this land was supposed to be so rich and so capable that it would pay for itself. And when it didn't, they thought they were screwed. And so they turned to the church for help, asking them to send someone to help them from anyone's parish to, to help out around here if they could. What they sent was a rich man's son. <laughs> who decided to turn to God and he's a preacher. And that rich man's son came with a whole wagon full of goods and built him a church. And this church had him a clock. And I thought that was weird as it gets. I never thought about putting a clock in the middle of a nowhere town. If it's a town in the middle of nowhere and it's Frontiersville, to me as Bob, why the hell do I need a clock? Of all the things yeah. I don't need, expensive ass death clock is not what's needed.
0: Well, the clock to me always says there's a railroad that comes through here, right? Because old school, the reason why you're you have clocks in town is so that you can know how not to miss your train for travel and people coming from elsewhere can rotate. First thing this guy does when he builds his church is put a clock in the steeple.
2: I'm gonna again, reiterate, this town didn't have resources <laughs> that would be using said clock, right? Yep. That's what made this creepy. Yep, He builds this church and this clock and no railroad in sight, not even a rumor of a plan of a railroad coming. Just this is why you like you said you would have exactly you would have a clock. (laughs) But this dude got to have him a clock. Then they describe how he's a firebrand of a preacher and a damn good one. Unnaturally so. And suddenly when the church was finished built, everyone had to stay inside they all knew they should because there are things that bumped and crawled in the night that only this preacher could go out and yell away and scream away and that, and that was it that's all that was going on and you know he said that's why we went and spiked it so that the clock stopped just before one because that was the witching hour film whenever it hit one that's when the spirits came out then he said oh by the way the church bleeds blood at night <laughs> right just sort of on the side you didn't want to leave with that eh, old timer just uh, by the way since you're here not going anywhere for a while right that's that's how they do it and i'm like this is beautiful writing because if you're that player who's there why now you're suspicious of the guy telling you the whole story mm-hmm. right you're looking at him like what am i missing here town like what why is the church bleed blood how do you know you know that suspicion is there even as a reader that suspicion there and they tell you the rest of the good tale but the point is you had everything this book's trying to hammer home That the potential of having a ghost town is that you have a remote locale, the players are going to, that is the setting, theme, mood, and story in one. The whole purpose of the game is the ghost town, and this is how you build it and establish it and how you might like to run it. Tons of tips for it. This whole book is that. All of it. What I would like to shift focus to, though. Go ahead, Mike.
0: Well, no, no, I'm I'm sure we'll get to it. You just reminded me of something that was just really out of place. Where's the where's the newcomer, the gunman who turns out to be a werewolf?
2: Where's his pack? Well, here's the fun part about that story. You hear a silent strider told him these crazy tales. Yeah. And he was coming out of here like out of a hat. You know what I mean? But they also don't disclose his tribe. So I'm not entirely certain that he was sent with a pack. I think he's a scout. I think he came here to confirm the rumors he heard, and unfortunately, like sometimes this turns out for werewolves. Not only are the rumors true, you don't got time to run away from it, right? You you have to survive the night to go back and tell them what goes on. That's exactly how this is ending up, and so that's that's where he's at. That was my assumption because that's more or less how he was written. A traveler came out to see, mentioned he talked to a, I believe he he actually outright said it was a strider who who led him over here. Which always when they say it like that, that means he's not a strider. But Mm -hmm. then who and by how he's dressed and how he is, he's an Iron Rider. That's the assumption I had. Right. Because maybe they want to bring a railroad in here, but don't know why it's here. And if you're an Iron Rider and your goal is to make all these towns, well, cities with roads and railroads everywhere bump in the road, your town's haunted with demon ghosts. Yeah. Right. You got to take care of that first. So maybe maybe that's why he's here. But that's the fun of that opening tale is that you could tell a tale right there and make up why you would have all your stuff come in, uh, investigate who, what and where. Kind of the fun part of storytelling. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. But in making your own town, that's what I like about this book. There's enough city building books that I think we, we have been over that kind of help you build a city. And it's sort of like it's modern. It's a city. There's clubs. Stuff happens. People are there. Fun. But they end up really being what? Just a place where you can have victims. <laughs> right? Whether werewolf or vampire, just a place victims are. Because we're <laughs> going to fuck them up in some way. We're the supernatural heroes in our own story, so naturally it's a people full of club, everybody always has a derogatory feeling towards them, I feel, where they're like, oh, a bunch of club people, they're here for themselves dancing around, looking to get laid, and you're like, well, yeah. (laughs) That's what it's for. That's part of it. Some people are just looking to drink, and some people are looking to also just dance. Anything else? Oh, oh, the most obvious one, people are also here to breathe. (laughs) Let's not forget that. Like, that's my way of going, maybe Let's 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 stop looking for for too much suspicion here. Um, A club is of your choice to be amongst your element to kind of shine. Right. And you need to breathe life in that club. But you never hear how to build life into that club. And for most people, some people who play this game have never been to a dance club. They've never been to that outing. They don't know that feel. And if you've never been to a club, um, the best I could tell you, it's always like going into your own microcosm. Hmm. right there's there 's different structures of social hierarchy that are immediately there upon entering because there 's the locals versus people who are here for the first time, and you you often see that mix, and the locals tend to not have a problem with anybody being there, but you definitely know who knows every bouncer and who knows every bartender and that that tends to go around. There are folks who are bold and on the dance floor having a good time. There are people who know people, and when you get there and you don 't know everybody, you only know who you come with. And so this alienation feel and perception is on you. But once the music hits, once the right lighting is there, once the right person smiles at you, you begin to feel at home. And that's the goal. You begin to relax. And then you begin to feel what the club's all about. It's just to come out there and let loose, be yourself, and have a little freedom for a few hours and a lot of fun, hopefully. That's the mood every club tries to hit. However, when you build said locations like that, what you don't know is whether or not a drug dealer owns the club. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What you don't know is if it's not a drug dealer, just an innocent guy trying to stay afloat. But he's braced by a lot of people dealing drugs through the club and he doesn't have a choice. Call the cops. He's a snitch. They know where he lives. They know where he does business like that drama you never hear about. And so to the person who never had to build a life or breathe life into a city that they've built, each structure has to have that love history and care. And where no other book really gives you that, doesn't tell you that on the nose, this book does. It's rather upfront and saying, it's great that you want a frontier town, but you need to understand something. Every Wild West town started as a prospect. That means it was just a tent city. It was people with hope came out, someone had a deed, and they're building the land. And they hope it turns into something. You don't have an established saloon yet. Right? You're hoping to, and that's one of the first buildings they're going to get put in, I promise you, is a place for people to spend money. Those workers to come in and spend that money they're earning, and that's, that's where it's going to be. And a saloon is not a place everybody gets laid. That's, that's a Hollywood trope. It's bullshit. That's not what a saloon was. A saloon was a place to gamble and lose your money. It was, or, or earn some. It was also a place you could get a meal. It was also a place that you could drink, and and that's what it was. It was a smoking house. You know, You could relax here was the goal. Did they have rooms? some did lot didn't, but the point is is as you're making up what your saloon does, that's where it's at now, if you're the type of place that you decide you're gonna have girls there or guys there that are going to sell their body, and you know prostitution is 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 an old form of money making, all right, that can work here too. However, remember this very fact: if we started as a tent city. These are sons and daughters of people from this tent city who you're now saying have decided they can't find anything else to do but to sell their private bits to, to these workers who come in. And these workers have gone to church with people. They've, they've broken sweat out in the field picking things with these people. They've tried to clear land with these people, build houses with these people. That's a hard sell to me that I'm going to walk in and see somebody's daughter at age 14 and go, I'll pay my silver bits for her shiny end. Right. And then turn around and I got to look my boss in the eye. Hey, I've been humping your daughter for some silver dust, you know, on the night. Like, really? Like, what sort of soul do I have? And, And then you begin to wonder, well, it depends, Bob. You're a good egg, but not so many people make that call. And more importantly, that's that's sort of the nature and insidiousness of the human animal, period. And so this gets into that. It puts these thoughts in your head that each structure, you got to pause and go, what's the history? Is this a good egg, good egg building? I'll tell you a story of a good saloon where the owner is just the owner. And that owner is the original guy who owned the deed to the whole place. And he built it around the saloon. Everything started with the saloon because he brought a whole bunch of vittles for people to eat. And he made a place for people to share it. And there's a town hall dinner every night that people can come out and enjoy because it's a soup. And so everybody makes it, everybody has fun, they talk about what they're going to do, what needs to be done in the town, all one place. And it starts there. The tents are all around. Okay, that's a pretty cool town we got to start to. But Mike, what might this town develop next to be that next level of prosperous? Assuming clearing goes well, this is a place where we could see a railroad might be coming, maybe. Uh, but we now got to establish what we're getting out of this surrounding area that allows them to earn money, to keep more people coming in.
0: Well, I mean, so the, the hope is the person who said, mm, this plot, uh, it's along a main road. I can see the Canyon from here and the ocean from there. Uh, saloon. The hope is that somewhere there's going to be a mine, right? Ideally there's like a mine or a, uh, body of water that can easily be dammed, or a, a uh, source of wood. Right. Because these towns pop up and they got to get the lumber from somewhere. You need a resource you can take advantage of. Otherwise, when the resources you came with ran out, what you have is a is a budding young ghost town. Because <laughs> eventually travelers are going to stop coming. You ain't got food to sell them. You you, you run out of whiskey. Hasn't been a merchant in months. You don't have anything you can put into a still. You got to decide whether you're going to stay or go. Simple as that. And so
2: they uh, they talk about you ever heard of a livery? Yeah, 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 where you stash your uh your horses and get them cleaned and shooed and all of that, right? I'm not tripping. Right. Uh, me? I never heard of that. I never heard of that. I read this book's like a livery. I actually had to look that up, and I was like, that's pretty sweet. Oh, they got them in right? the Westerns, man. You got to watch the Westerns. It's good stuff. So, well, here's what I thought. I thought a Western was like every medieval thing where it's like you get your boy to go and take care of everything, the stable hand. Right? You walk into town and say, boy, what are you doing staring slack jaw? You grab that horse, you go out there, take care of this man horse, get it shooed, get it cleaned, get it fed. <laughs> Sorry, my boy's half-witted stares at people all the time. He mean nothing by it. And then you move on with the conversation, right? That's like every way I've seen it presented. And I always felt sorry for that kid because I was like, man, he did farm work all day, and now at night, if there's a stranger, he has to haul ass out of bed and stand there until his dad insults his intelligence. To be- I mystically thought that went there. It turns out, no, there are people who get paid to take care of horse. Not yep. only that, you eat food there. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? You could have went in there and got a meal yourself. It's not just for your horse, you right. know. Because some people are passing through; they stop by, just need water, need a feed, need to eat a minute. They're gonna have a day. I was like, "That's a dope building." And suddenly, my brain was all a cooking, right? Because I said to myself, "Oh man, that's a perfect smuggler place." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, think about it a second, right? There was that that whole. What is it? I think the carpetbaggers is a. It's a different term. There's a dirtier term for it. Uh, we're referring to those thieves. That when people get close to a town, they don't want to disturb them at night or they don't know about the town. So what they do is they camp out, right? They do like a little lean to tent. They're out there. They take the saddle off their horse. They're relaxed. They're going to go to sleep. But you got to make shifts because they know there might be these type of thieves are going to sneak up, jump and pin them down, kill them and take their goods and go sell them in town. <laughs> Yeah. Right. That's a thing that happened back in the day. It's a very dark thing, but it absolutely did happen. And so the thought to me went, oh, man, world of darkness. That definitely is going on. So now we got this livery. But what if at that livery there's like an old and an old French trapper that everybody calls an engine because ignorantly they think he is one. <laughs> right. He's long, black hair. He's old, little leather face. He never corrects it. But nobody speaks French. And that's all he speaks because he understands English. We can let them know that. So they just think he's here. But he opened the livery. And what he does is he sells the food and all that. But what he really is doing, he's, he made a deal with those guys out there who yeah. are doing all that killing. they come in and he smuggles in their goods. And if he could resell them, he sells them to town for a, for a price. And he gets the money and kicks it to them. And this very insidious operation went through my head. And I suddenly went, don't come to Bob's Wild West Town. It's already dark. <laughs> we haven't even been here long. But damn it, the saloon is clean. <laughs> and no prostitution in my saloon, damn it. That's just how it goes, but you better watch for your horse eats. That's how. <laughs> right? Old Benoit down at the livery. <laughs> That's the fun part. But then they say there's a phase two, because after Mike and Bob's business, because Mike, Mike's mine and water source and woods do make for a town to prosper, people hear about it. And so the first 40 people that came out here have a family, they have kids, and they're moving on. First, usually, the church comes. After the saloon, after the livery, then you see the church develop because you got to have the parish. Now the community is trying to take care of each other. That happens. And suddenly people are putting up stakes. And that's just a fancy way of saying you're building homes. This wood structures come in the tents go away. That's phase two. Once you start having a permanence to you, though, now you got to begin people going, well, what are we going to do to earn a living? Right. We can't clear indefinitely. Only so many workers at the mine. Now what are we going to do? Well, let's revisit Bob's clean saloon establishment. <laughs> and Bob said, it's okay if you play cards now and again, but mainly it's a place for people to eat. Well, no one ain't anymore, Bob. Turns out we miners come here to drink. And when we drink, we play cards and we roll dice. And Bob said, "We well, can do it by God. You're going to do it civilized. And Bob finds a way to, to buy and bring in proper tables for you to sit like gentlemen and mm-hmm, do that. Mm-hmm. And if you would be so kind as to check your weapons at the door, they say, hell no. Bob says, okay. I can't can't afford to have anybody standing at the door to tell you otherwise, but I appreciate you trying. But now I go to Mike because Mike owns the mine and I go, look, your workers are coming out here acting a fool at this saloon. You can't control that, but you need to help me hire the people who can do it. (laughs) To which I obviously
0: say, you're going to have to cut me in on your whiskey sales. If I get a gunman from out of town to come here and be the sheriff.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And we begin to understand that slowly we're seeing that the mine, the mine owner is a shady guy. does nothing for <laughs> free, and the saloon guy meant well. Here's this town, but you're gonna pay me because now, which because what I tell him, yeah, you got people gambling, but they're not doing it for free. We mm-hmm. know they're drinking whiskey yeah. left the right. You sure as hell aren't giving that away. But you owe me a percentage. All right, one hand has to wash the other, right, as we get this going. But that's everybody in town because suddenly someone wants to open up a boot boot store or a haberdashery, if you will. Someone wants to shave people. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. We're going to do all this. So now now we have a bustling town, but this is built on the back of two guys saying we'll do well. And there's a lot of families here. And an ST building it, in this case, you and me, we got to pause and go, I want to tell a story here. But I can't go through the phases of the town all the way. And right now, I was wanting to tell a story where the town was already here. We got this far. We know who did it. But something bad's got to happen or interesting for that supernal element for it to be the game it is. Why would werewolves come here? And then it goes, well, let's talk about the storm meter again and understand what it did. And this book goes through a lot of detail. I'm going to simplify it for you so you don't have to read that if you don't want to. Because honestly, it was a bit of a boring read because a lot of it was rehashed. Basically talks about the storm meter coming through, doing all that it did, which we know it was blurring and, and really chiseling down the difficulty of crossing the gauntlet and making powerful spirits able to walk in the land of the living and vice versa. You know, those, uh, those old ghost towns there, and I would say ghost towns, but those uh, Stormbringer children, people just popping up and walking around and more interesting entities of that. Well, add a third element to it and talk about the land of the dead. But the storm meter is also doing that. It's eroding that as well, because running unchecked, it's gaining nothing but in power. And so it's not discriminatory, which means now you have spirits of the dead from Wraith the Oblivion walking around serving their own ends in the frontier land. And they point out directly, this is unchecked land for, for the hierarchy. Now, for those who are fans of Wraith of Oblivion, you get the hierarchy. Um, We won't go full-till detail into it for another series of pods later. But what I will highlight to you is that, yes, every established game that they've made for the storytelling series has a hierarchy of some sort. There is some organization running things and groups to oppose them. And this is the hierarchy for Wraith of Oblivion is exactly that. And they talk about an Ebon Legion in this book briefly. To give you an idea that they are the conquerors of the hierarchy that might send people down the river to come here and subjugate the the dead that are already here, use their souls to build them into buildings and structures for the hierarchy to live in. If you don't know anything about Wraith the Oblivion, that should chill you already. And even if you do know about Wraith, that does chill you because you know exactly what that means. It's Mm -hmm. one thing to be dead. It's another to be dead and not know why you exist in the spirit world and to be locked into your passions as all wraiths are because you had unfinished business. It's another thing that another wraith will come along that has the power to force you into a plank that they're going to slap up for a wall. And for all time, that's your existence now. And there's nothing you could do about it. It's a type of hell. And that's, that's the hierarchy. But they don't have sway over here. That's because of the heretics. And what they refer to that is, is a heretic is basically a a more or less a cult. It's a group of wraiths of dead who figured out on their own because so many people have their own idea of religion, especially in the frontier aspects. And what we're referring to are not the Christians, we're referring to the natives themselves. That's as they outline in this book, their religion is their own and they have their own way of seeing this sort of land of the dead. Important distinction here is where a lot of people are going to go, well, there's the internet and I could look up how the Sioux were and Apaches and all that stuff and tell you they don't see the world of the dead like that. And they don't see this like that. And they don't see that like that. And you're wrong, Bob. You're dead. Wrong. This book's wrong. This is terrible. Well, for you, um, there are other books for you to enjoy and a whole other system of stuff you could do. Probably uh, a journalist. I was told journalists do things like that. (laughs) where You can run around and find factual things to go to the Sioux and the nation of your choice and find out how they view the dead. And you could write a nice book and have a podcast on that, which is my advice. But for those who want to be entertained by horrible things and are here (laughs) for the fun of fiction and nothing real, uh, they give you a different tale. And that's to say, can you imagine a very angry native family who gets slaughtered because Bob's Frontier people came out here and said, oh, terrible, redskin, shoot them. And I blew them away because I didn't know what to think. Because when they saw me, they spoke in a language that seemed otherworldly. And I, as a little kid, was always scared of speaking in gibberish and things in tongues because it means that they're possessed by some spirit. And most likely, it is a demon. <laughs> the world's full of demons when you follow Jesus. And so I put him down like a dog. And when I did, I looked at how he lived. And he had weird skins. He was skinning things and wearing those skin things and had a weird hut. And he had the hut had some things hanging. And everybody looked weird and different. I don't think twice about it, although I'm lying. I'm completely lying because when I killed them, I was looking for justification of evil. I didn't find it. And I was looking to see anything, any indicator these were bad people. I didn't see that. I saw that they had crops they had harvested. I saw they were in the middle of dinner. I saw that what they were carrying was food that they were bringing out to us. Because when we got there, we were carrying tents, looked tired. We were covered in the road. Everything was bad. And our first reaction was the wrong reaction. And now we've put them down. And that's my evil in the town. Now, these this family that had like maybe three teepees at the time, their tents and I burnt them and killed them. Well, in Wraith, that all still exists. That emotional encounter, of their death is still there. And the difference is, though, I have the full wrath of the man who was shot down in innocence, who came to give us food, who risked his family thinking he didn't have to worry about it because no one owns the land. So when we came up, he meant to share the land. And when he saw us starting to put up tents and saw what we were doing, he didn't think we'd be here forever. So he thought to trade, maybe to make, you know, give some advice about we're not going to be here forever because this is a season, seasonal thing. And right now it's summer. A couple months now, it's going to be frozen over. You can't do shit with it. We're going to be out of here. We're just going to give you a heads up. But they're dead. What becomes of that native, though? You killed him and what's left? Well, in Wraith the Oblivion, we don't paint honeyed figures who stay behind. This guy only wanted to do nice, but he has a shadow in him, a specter that wants to come out that lives inside him. It's called a shadow because it's not unleashed yet. That's going to think something very different, and is attached now to Bob, who put him down with a gun. Right? Bob's only ever killed one group of people with that gun. Turns out it's that family, and that's one hell of a fetter for this town. And so now we're locked in. I just gave you a wraith plot for why there would now be ghosts, and this is officially a ghost town. And and in that mix. You could tell us a tale about how those ghosts from that family influence the children that come here with dreams and places to visit, fun things to do. How they might suddenly influence a wife to make a uh a certain warrior shirt out of deer skin. Right? When you were supposed to make, you know, like blankets and shit with it, and that's not what she made because she felt this was better and would keep them warmer and it would. Because what we have here is a Native American woman who died who understands a woman trying to take care of her kids is trying to teach her better things to use that we just don't understand being out here well what am i gonna think is bob because it's my family that's doing it i didn't teach my wife this how does my kid now speak sue right these are haunted little elements and quirks she can put through the town that people ignore but they start talking to a priest about how he has to clean up this town and things are getting worse and why might why might they now mike If that is the Wraith portion, and honestly, that starts Wraith light, that's an innocent beginning to a sinister. You can see the seeds of where that's going to go dark at some point. What would the werewolf have to be interested in a town like this about?
0: Well, um, they're certainly going to be drawn by the spiritual influence of the greed that has to be simmering. Right. (laughs) Whatever dirty little deeds are done up at the mine, um, whatever motivates somebody to hit another somebody in the back of the head with a shovel. Um, so that they can take their haul, right? Um, they, they might certainly be coming to visit Bob's saloon because cold blooded murder, even out of fear, might put a, put a stink on somebody. <laughs> but, but beyond that, you know, in a world where we have, um, silent striders taking their long sprints across the Wild West, it's gonna kind of stand out if all of the spirits, when I, when I lay down in Lupus to rest, are saying, Hey, Hey, come here. Hey, something bad happened. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) And then the closer I get to Bob's town, right, there's 36 hour storms and and random uh, apparitions while I walk. And I accidentally look at a pool of water and slip and fall over into the penumbra. And I because I'm a strider start randomly encountering ghosts that don't belong here. Right. White men on native lands, (laughs) natives hanging out in Bob's saloon. Stuff that ain't right. Um, if I'm a silent strider, I'm not going to try to handle all of those problems by myself. I'm going to go back to the nearest Cairn that I'm aware of and say, hey, <coughs> stuff's going bad over this place. <laughs> um, and, and the funny thing is to me, like reading through the book, I got this strong impression that some werewolves might come to one of these ghost towns thinking that they were going to help relieve the people of whatever pressure is coming from these malignant spirits or whatever the influence of the storm eater has been or whatever uh, talent of the worm has uh, worked its way into town, get there, speak to the spirits of the dead in the place and find out that the people they came to help are the villains. Right. Right. Because so often it's, it's kind of mankind that's screwing over mankind and you end up in an alliance of, uh, 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 of Wraith and Werewolf trying to beat Standard
2: Oil out of town. And so you hit it on the head. I love it. I love that we could get here and it worked as planned. And what we're trying to get here is that what this book doesn't tell you, we're going to tell you the secret gem of it, is it actually does have a way of hammering into you that it doesn't always have to be Banes that cause the downfall of anything for Werewolf. This is an example of Werewolves trying to be the good guys coming in and smelling something's off, but it's not quite Worm, and they don't know what it is. And then when they get there, they see that tragedy has happened. Is it really Bob's fault that he came to a town and shot the natives who he thought were hyper aggressive? Because he's coming with all the stories he was told to be warned about. People are trusting you. There's all this pressure on them to keep them safe. And you didn't hire people like that to be gunslingers. But you've heard of natives scalping people and eating children and assaulting in the night, doing all this evil, bad stuff. But but now what? Right, what is it? What is it that you're gonna be doing and dealing with? And when you see them, Bob's a nervous guy, he's never had to defend or even draw, and he made a call. And he's suffering for that call, but it's not over. Because the people who are there, they can't let that go, and why should they? Because they don't know why they were killed. That's really what this surrounds. They don't know why they killed. So now the werewolves don't just go Krinos, I'm gonna kill these spirits because that'll make it far worse. Right? They wipe out those spirits, all they leave are the specters behind. And that's when the real darkness wins. But werewolves don't necessarily know about that. In fact, they don't know about the fact that a spirit is of two minds, right? Any wraith has that shadow in them and can be driven to the far worse excess of it. And Oblivion in wraith is always ever looking to bring the specters to do just that. Devour all hope and the living. Take them all with you. So for them, chaos is its own reward. If they can get the werewolves to kill these wraiths, fantastic, because it'll lead to the downfall of everything else. So you have a very interesting plot already. You know, they have to be able to talk and figure out this mystery, figure out this shame, help him deal with it. But then he has to owe up to it. Bob has to face and sit down with this family and tell them what he did. And the challenge to those wraiths is to control their rage long enough to hear why. Maybe give forgiveness. Maybe ask for atonement from Bob and he has to do it. Maybe they require the town to be leveled. Right. Something impossible. Get rid of the town. We'll consider it even. <clears throat> Who knows? Yeah. But that's a deeper plot. That's a cool plot. But that's one that is, like you said, human made. Yes, it was a mistake, but, you don't know, wash your hands of it and walk away because this is how the worm wins. Right. That's how where Need to see that if they don't intervene and do anything, this will become a bane infested specter hellhole. There's no way it's not. So they have to come here to begin to relieve the pressure of a town like that and help out. And that's that's just a taste of how you might make a ghost town. And this book actually gives you more. It gives you some very evil <laughs> ways to make towns, in fact. And uh, like a gentle one is Baton Rouge which we'll just call mm-hmm. red sticks. I'm going to refer to Baton Rouge, Louisiana from now on as red sticks, Louisiana. Cause that's probably right. what Baton Rouge means. <laughs> right. Baton Rouge, Rouge is red, baton is sticks, you know, red sticks. <laughs> Enjoy it. In fact, I love the simplicity of it. The area they marked out, they just built a fort called a Baton Rouge. I was like, well, <laughs> it's the little things that matter. Right. This here is where we put down the red sticks.
0: What are we going to call it? Uh, red sticks, but in French. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: And then they bill it like it's a sales pitch against Louisiana. That was the other thing I enjoyed from New Orleans, I should say. <laughs> yeah. We are but 60 miles south of, of New Orleans and it, or every direction. I don't remember that 100 percent, but they're like, we're the other side of things. It's not all those weirdo vampires that do stuff and have things. We got stuff <laughs> and do things. We even have a railroad. You can build a nice family in red sticks. Have a good time. I was was pleasantly pleased to read that. But then you begin to read further and and see how they they have their own problems and build up. And uh, that's totally cool. But what I want to highlight, um, two entities that are in this book that are unique. I have heard about them before, and if anything, this is for those rare few people that in conversations I occasionally get and I forget about these topics, but to find them again and laugh is is a joy. (laughs) One is the spawn of the storm (laughs) eater. Now, to you, Gen Con Ghost, who I'm going to call you because I don't remember who you are, who appeared and told me, you don't know everything, Bob. There is the spawn of the soul eater that exists, and it's out there. And it's coming for werewolves. It's the greatest threat to the uh, Gaia there ever was, and blah blah blah. <laughs> I, I, I still stand by what I told them. I kind of feel they'd have a bigger book for that, <laughs> right? And looked at me like I had two heads. It's like no, 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 legit. I thought there'd be a bigger book, and I, I would love to check this book out if that were a thing. Um, do you remember reading about the Spawn?
0: Yeah, yeah. Now you can you can fill it in for me. But what I recall is that. I don't remember if it was this particular talent, just a general thing that the spawn of the Storm Eater do, but they spring out of like veins of silver in the mines and they take on the appearance of whoever they've decided is going to get it. So, you know, it's a miner, right? They look just like him, except they're entirely silver. They go <sighs> try to kill that guy and then maybe they just dissipate because they've done their job. Or, Maybe they completely shapeshift and become somebody else who's gonna get it. Might be a child, might be Bob down at the saloon, but they just are brought into the 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 skinlands by like
1: greed,
0: I
2: guess. What it says <laughs> is we're gonna have to take it. Just you said like like by greed, I guess, or they didn't like the peach cobbler Mabel made and left out on the windowsill. <laughs> Right. And Mabel's a target of this thing that randomly appears and comes to kill her. (laughs) Now, now why? Well, they give speculation. Storm Eater comes through, ruins the gauntlet, whittles it down. There is things left, residuals from that. And one of these residuals is that, yes, there is a silver mine, Eureka, because you need (laughs) one to spawn one of these things. And it comes out and it takes their exact form. And hunts down and kills what they want to hunt down and kill. And that doesn't necessarily stop it. Because after they kill that victim, there's a random chance it picks another one and assumes the shape and goes after that next one. And so on and so forth. And I was like, God damn. It's the movie it follows. <laughs> <laughs> Hear me out. Let's say I target Mike. And Mike goes, well, it was a fun night in town. I'm out of here. He cashes in. And that still responds to coming for Mike. Doesn't say it could fly. Doesn't say it's super speed, but it can always find Mike and it knows where he is and it will exist until Mike is dead. And so composed of silver, but looking like anybody else, it's a walking through looking for Mike and it's just going along and it's going (laughs) to find Mike. Right. So if you've seen that movie, it follows Mike doesn't know why it's coming and doesn't know what's going on. But here's the trick. It actually doesn't care who it harms along the way. If you try to stop it, it will work through you to get to Mike. But once Mike's dead, then that's the only way it can cease there's a random chance it finds another victim to go after and that's it. And this, I sat here and said that it's kind of what a shitty thing, because when you think that it's a werewolf that'll stop it nah, it's composed of silver folks. <laughs> it is. It's composed of silver, like a werewolf deciding it's going to put this down is going to it's a hell of a time as we're going to say the very least. And it's got some power to it and you, you got to wonder why do it? Well, good news is after it kills someone and it doesn't choose to move on, It's just black slag, is what it ends up being. The silver is destroyed.
0: Now, the first thought that came to my mind, especially because in one or two of these towns, well, I guess in most of them, there is a werewolf who lives there. What happens on the day that one of these spawn of the storm meter decides it's going to copy a werewolf? Because again, just came, bro, peeking out just a little bit. Yep, the book specifies that the silver spawn of the storm eater has one more dot and everything that it's target has. Yes. Right. So you bring your pack in the town and we're going to solve these problems. We're going to handle it. And your alpha in Krinos comes walking out of the bush,
2: gleaming under Luna's light. What What are we doing here? Well, let's do let's do the smart thing and work it through. Well, I'll solve your puzzle. First thing your pack's going to do is go, well, you're not our alpha. Not only do you not smell like our alpha, you radiate silver. And one of us is able to detect it, if not us in Kronos, that you make us uneasy. Yeah. So what are you? And that's if you stop to ask, what are you? At this point, something's mimicking your alpha. It gets its ass whooped and we find out, oh, you're made of silver, are you? <laughs> and you're a badass because our alpha's not an alpha because uh, we voted. Right. right. That's, that's what it's like. Like, oh, what are we going to do? Well, your alpha has to face off against this with you to help you defeat this. But can it stop it? And will it do it? Well, welcome to the reason why that's a story. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how yeah. that develops. Right. That's where that gets caught up. But it don't matter. Uh, what you should be asking is what the picks a vampire? Oh, man. Oh, man. You're, you're in a deeper story, aren't you? <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> right because if that vampire grows in power and it's going to be immortal and it never catches this guy because it's some rando gang girl it's just going to keep getting stronger but it's always going for that gang girl is the important thing does not say that it automatically and easily tracks that gangrel. or just it will know where to find it mm-hmm. right what that tells me i know the direction it's over here i'll recognize you in a crowd look like a wolf look like a bat i'll know it's you but that doesn't mean it's easy, right? So this becomes a game that you could play with here um, on two fronts. And that's interesting. And they leave it open enough for you to interpret spawn of the, spawn of the Stormbringer. Yeah, it can do a lot of stuff, depending on what you want to have it done, you know? And yeah. uh fun part, don't forget the personality. It doesn't say I have to mindlessly go after them either. It might yeah. hire that pack. Yeah. you know, It might sure lie to right. you and tell you you're off as an evil being, and before I can be born, I'm giving you a chance to stop me. You have to bring them to me. Lock the door, and if he passes his crucible, because Gaia sent me, you know, then we'll be able to do it. What do you mean? Why do you think I'm composed of silver?
0: Right. Obviously, I'm cloaked in Luna's
2: blessing. How right. could I be your enemy? <laughs> what does that tell you? Bob's an evil bastard, and that can happen, and you need to have somebody up in their social skill to go, I smell you, you manipulative bastard. You do your own murder. You know? Uh, but yeah. the point is, interesting, interesting creature uh, that they threw in there that you, there's not much about. But by no means is it undefeatable, and also um, it's a good creature because I think any creature that doesn't have a quantifiable, easy reason of existence and elimination always opens up for the players to enjoy that story and the retelling of that story afterward. That's the important thing. I always find Fomori to be a boring thing for people to face when they know that's what they're facing because they'll know their limits and know that's temp and they know all this other stuff. But for you, the storyteller, you're no longer enchanting them on that fear. You've lost that point. And so that mystique is gone and you're just slugging it out with dice of which, yeah. you know, most likely you've slighted it to their fa- their fair. Anyway, there are some cuts, some screaming will happen. oozing <laughs> with dice, but ultimately there went your plot. And that's, that's just how it goes. But this is a, this is a kink in a slinky. This is old school, how you keep a game interesting, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's,
0: especially because and this is this is kind of a sidebar, but it occurred to me. I came to werewolf first. And I tried to learn my lessons. And as a werewolf player, you kind of get used to the idea. Oh, uh, here's a spirit. I got to figure out what it's a spirit of. I have to learn what it considers respect so I can pay my chimneyage make sure I dot all my eyes and cross my T's um, before I ask it for anything right? Or seek any guidance or even try to make friends. But that's real different in a place where number one, you might have to deal with one of these weird spawns of the storm eater. or number two, the spirits might be people. We're not talking about like groundhog or uh honey badger, okay. right? That are just kind of creatures of instinct. And so it, it felt like, this book is the perfect little sandbox for me to say, "Hey, werewolf players, there's other stuff we can do and see these other splats." And who wants the story to <laughs> a race game? So I can stop storytelling this werewolf game.
2: <laughs> Stood out. I don't know. <laughs> nah, there's ways of dancing, man. I'm just smiling here with you. Um, <laughs> my entity number two that I submit to you, I think, bears great. It's one of the stories I wish they focused on. And that deals with the uh, the town paradise, right? It's near South Dakota. I think it's like mentions like Clearwater being a place near it. Did you not pick up on that? Well, here, we'll get to the entity. It doesn't matter. That's where it's located, this paradise fictional place they made. But they're talking about a specific bane. Hmm. Now, hmm. this is awesome. Very much werewolf. But what it talks about is that the town settler, uh, he came here and knew that there were Sioux natives here and didn't care. He more or less came here and like took the land from them. You know, the Sioux have existed here for generations and didn't care why. What he also didn't know is that the Uctena clearly had a sort of hidden bane here. This is one of the spots. You hear a lot about how the Uctena were doing this with their bane tenders, kind of keeping one at bay and blah, blah, blah. You read their tribe book, they tell you about what a bane tender is and even give you a cool story. with it. we've been over that? This tells you a whole damn town lives in fear of one bane. (laughs) Now, the town itself doesn't know it because the Sioux were taken from it. But the Sioux could have told you a lot had you not warded them. Yeah, and that's and that's how that goes. But that's also how the bane wins. The sour of fear is what the bane is called, or the sour of fear, I should call it. It's not sour s o u e r. It's s o w e r. Sour. Uh, but uh, the the bane in and of itself is a cool concept because it is not easily defeated. In fact, they highlight that if the players were to encounter the, the bane itself, it's trapped as it is. If they fight it and defeat it, they free it and make it stronger. For it to suffer anguish and to be torn apart adds to its strength and its reformation somewhere in the Umbra. And it gets to go about and do this again and again and again and only continually get stronger. And you begin to understand why they had originally bound it in the first place. Because bound, it can't harm anyone. It does get weaker. It takes a long time for it to do it, but it does. And this is the silver of fear in its reduced state. But then you look at the town and look what's going on in paradise and they have all that outlined in a the book. They, they got some tribulations that are going on, Bane influence easily and others besides. And let's not forget the wraiths on <laughs> top of it. Throughout this book, you're going to find that because it's ghost town, um, the wraiths are in a, like a tri-war almost always. There are the wraiths who are renegades. Those, these are the ones like what wraiths are here about. Simply put, renegades as they highlight them in the book is a faction of race that you're most commonly going to run into. They don't hold allegiance to anyone, kind of their thing, right? They go about and do for them as they choose to. And accordingly, they find their own social circles and hierarchies and ways of life to be in. But this is separate of the hierarchy that will come for them one day. And that's who they oppose. The other faction you have are heretics. These are creepy. These, this is the creepiest part about this book, I'd say, beyond like cool enemies. Imagine going to a town and when you go there, they seem Christian. And so you're okay with it. But they have a few weird rules. First and foremost, you can't have any silver uh, as in your home whatsoever. Also can't have any reflections. No mirrors, no nothing. And it's a sin against the town, and they're quite serious. The preacher insists, and the town enforces it. And when you came here, they just check your weapons over. They don't take any of your bullets. They don't take any of your gear. They take your little silver trinkets, little silver jewelry, your little silver watch. They take your watch because it's got a reflective timepiece. They take your glasses because they're reflective. All that. They take them and you see them destroy them and throw them in, but they turn around and give you money for them. Hmm. They're fair about it, but they, can't, they won't even let you travel through with it. They just destroy it. Here's your money. Now spend it in town, right? Do you? Well, all right. What are you going to do? Shoot everybody? You could, but it seems they got the law in hand. Now, they all have crosses, and what's weird is that the crosses have a little lamb that's at the bottom of every little wooden structure of a cross. It's a little lamb. Nobody on the cross, though um shirts have little emblems you know sewn in and it's a little lamb on it they called their children little lambs and that goes on you see they have a lot of sheep in this town and you think that must be what it is but the more you stay in this town the more you realize that you don't see any youth running around that's one of the things and you begin asking people about it you know where are your kids at you know where do the kids go where are they at and, oh we're our young and they're all schooled elsewhere <laughs> they go off to private schooling better place What do you mean? Oh, we're a simple miner's town. We can't have those kids here. Now, if you're any God-fearing Christian, you're sitting there going, well, that doesn't make any sense. You keep your children close. It takes a community to raise a child. It takes all of you in that community to raise a child. They got to be at church. Who's going to teach them the morals? We got to learn them things. They got to learn with us to learn how to keep upright and everything else done by the land. And, you know, it's weird. You know, you have a family allegedly had three kids. They say they're all at school and none of them are around. But you go to their house. And there's nothing for those kids, nothing anywhere, no reflections, nothing. And you're trying to figure it out. Lo and behold, the story is really why there's lambs is because they sacrifice children to an unknown entity. Mm -hmm. And most of the wraiths in this place, they're all children. That's the land they're learning things. They take the children. And who knows why? And that that is what it is, but it could be specter related, it could be oblivion related, it could be something much darker than you planned for. But the humans work with the wraiths in this ghost town and these wraiths would be heretics. They have their own idea of what the land of the dead is and should be, and they're seeking to build that where nobody can tell them they can't. And the more people come in, the the more fuel they have to make that fire bigger, and that's its own plot. But here you are coming to town and you're the adults to find out But you can best believe that cult has a way of dealing with people, unbelievers, who choose to intervene and try to stop what they have going on. And so that, too, becomes its own story and a plot for the game. Is that all in here? Some of these ideas are unique to me and Mike. But they're inspired by reading this book. This book walks you down how to think that way and how to build that way and what you could put there and how to put it there. And once you have that going, it even teaches you the most important thing about building a story. Once you have a place, and that's yours, you think of the ending to understand what you need to put in it. That's the most important part. If you know how the story you want it to end, you know everything that you put in there that the players can alter, mess up, and destroy, all is still going to lead to a pretty finite ending, one way or the other. And your story is beautifully snug. It fits like hand in glove. And that's some hardcore advice here. Uh, what are your thoughts, Mike? What grabbed you out of the book other than uh, things mentioned?
0: Um, I guess the...
2: It's a small thing. Um,
0: don't really take a whole lot of explanation. Um, and it might be due to my uh, inexperience with Wraith. I've only played like maybe three or four games, never story told one. Um, but I just got this light bulb moment that Wraiths can ex- exert influence and have relationships with with living mortals. Like oh, yeah. there's this character, uh, what is her name? Uh, I want to say it's like Marie Thibodeau in the book, where It's just what she does. She ain't exactly a medium and she ain't exactly a psychic, but she is like messenger girl for the (laughs) local factions of wraiths. They come to her. They say a thing. She goes, she knocks on people's doors. They know who she is. Better not leave her outside. You don't want to see what happen If you do, she goes in, gives her advice, leaves with the money. And this is just how she lives her life. There's a wraith in the book. Who's got like a, he's like a war veteran. Um, He's got a bullet hole in his chest. Sometimes he takes it out of his chest to play with it absentmindedly. And the book mentions this unnerves people when they see it. And it occurred to me, oh boy, just kind of walks around bad roots sometimes like, Hey John, how you doing? How the kids, how's your mama? And they also support some of his agenda, which gives him this unique capacity to interact with the land of the dead because he's got relationships with people in the land of the living. And it's just an aspect to race that I hadn't, even considered before
2: so before- and it's an aspect because they that weakening right it allows them to just walk through another yeah. aspect is though they walk through in their own corpus meaning that they are like ectoplasm walking around as yeah. they are but this book tells you there's another concept you get to get used to as a werewolf player and they're called risen They even direct mm-hmm. you to a book for wraith that you get to find out more book of the risen i think is what it's actually called and in there it tells you what a risen is but the the short version it is a wraith who may have died but they're able to inhabit their own body and when they're able to do that, it's incredibly easy for them to do so. And they, they have a power to them uh yep. for, for doing that as well. And it's highly illegal according to the hierarchy. Like they're they're committing a sin. But remember, it's renegades. Yep. And it's heretics around here. There's no hierarchy for them to worry about stepping on. So you're gonna see that. Um, long story short, though, um, that's what basically this book is saying is that if somebody wants to play a, a dead person alongside some werewolves, feel free. That's a possibility, and you can, you, can, you can intertwine a good story with it. This is one of the rare books that I give it justice by we're going to review it to say, ah, go ahead and cross it over. Yeah, I think that's, that's a very good thing, right? There's a lot of good stuff that the dead can teach and get you involved in that is very scary but very cool uh, for werewolves to encounter and go through and learn. And they may even find different ways to deal with the problems they had in the werewolf side, and that's, it's a fun element. So I think this book was well done. Uh, for what they have for the time they wrote it in. Does this stand the test of time insofar as to teach you to build your own? But naturally you have to update the rule system of your choice. That's I'm gonna tell you that obviously. You know, you're gonna have to change a few things, but ultimately this does withstand well uh for you to choose to use it. At least in my opinion. What do you think, Mike?
0: Yeah, um just you know to your point, um the problem with a crossover game is all of the leverage you have to apply both to the narrative and to the characters to make it make sense. Right? Like why are all of these entities from this one splat fooling around with all these entities from another and how do they not kill each other and blah, blah, blah. And you, you spend more time than you want to to the point where you end up getting frustrated with the game. This book does all of that for you. So I agree hundred percent.
2: Alright. Well, folks, check it out. That's Ghost Towns for of the Apocalypse, and we'll check you next time. Thank you, Mike, for participating, as always. Yes, sir. And we'll check you folks later.
1: Thank you for listening to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you like what you heard and would like to support us, please leave a review or share it with friends. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.